0: Yeah, make it how you yeah. want
1: it and make it to fit you and, and your needs and who cares what somebody else thinks because it's not their bike. It's yours. You're building what you want.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or like the, the people that will buy something that, that once they buy something, they have to swear by it. Like if say with Memphis shades and huge supporters of the channel, I mean, I support them. They're just great customer service all around. I love their fairing because when I was first getting into what fairing i wanted because that's probably one of the bigger investments you when you first get the bike you're looking at either t-bars ape hangers exhaust and then uh your fairing that those are the most expensive ones that you're going to be doing right out the gate within the first two years and i was looking at fairings and people would say t-sport you know that's the only one that's out i think it was um connelly's was the main one that was just really hitting heavy and after i got memphis shades people were saying it was like because initially i didn't like the look of it and then i was like well it's also you know a fraction of the cost for everything it was like 475 out the door for your hardware your brackets and the fairing itself versus Collins was like 600 and you still need to get the mounting clap. So it was like oh dude but it was a repop so people like that kind of FXDX look and then all i would see is oh you know someone just bought a t-sport fairing and they'd be like oh t-sport's the best brand out there and then they just kind of swear where you know there was times where I'll, I'll get a product and then, oh, let's just go ahead with me slamming my bike, my Dyna. I wanted to go slammed with eight hangers, so I slammed it, and I ended up getting some progressive. I think it was like 10-inch shocks, and it was cool. It looked dope, but the ride was terrible, and then I just said, definitely not a fan of the progressive slammers, and I ended up going a different route, and I like that, but it's, again, kind of coming back to that. the every, Once someone buys something, it's, I feel like there's a lot of that going on where – they just say, Oh, this is the best thing in the world. Like where people don't really want to admit that they may have wasted their money, <laughs> but cause it sucks. If you buy something and it's not what you expect, then you're like, Oh dude. And then people ask you, like, I think it's one of the things big with moto vlogs is uh,
1: that some people. What's up all you motorcycle enthusiasts. Welcome to another episode of the V twin life where we talk motorcycles powered by those V twins and what feels our passion about it. And why we enjoy it so much. Also, this episode is brought to you by that Northwest brand, Crash Ink Clothing. You can find them on the World Wide Web at CrashIncClothing.com and on Instagram at Crash underscore ink. And if you're in that Northwest corner of Oregon, don't forget Paradise Harley-Davidson, where they had that Crash Ink gear on the shelf, and you can pick it up now. So now, let's twist the throttle and get into another episode of the B-Twin Life. They were joined by that man out of Texas with one badass Dinah. We got Mr. Connor FXDB, what's going on connor
0: hello sir how you do i gotta say though that intro is 10 out of 10 dude i love (laughs) the enthusiasm it is
1: i got excited dude yeah thank you it's it's fun i mean i think part of it i get it from you know as i get more comfortable like anything but i've announced baseball games for our local high school it's you know i volunteered for it and at first you know it took me a little while to get comfortable because i was never one that enjoyed public speaking and after about a season, season and a half, I really got you know comfortable with doing baseball and trying to bring that into my into my little podcast here. And you know, it's something I enjoy, so why not get more enthusiastic and really let people know that, dude, I do enjoy this. So it's fun. Yeah,
0: exactly. You can tell that it's like I got excited for listening because it's most people. Like, I mean, you could hear because when I first started motovlogging, dude, I was terrible. I mean, just bad at public speak. I think motovlogging helped me become a better speaker.
1: I can understand that. That's where, you know, kind of where I am. I think, you know, doing the baseball because when I first started and I started it for uh, what was borderline, a college and high school baseball summer travel team. And the the first baseball game I ever did was actually their big five-day tournament where there was some international teams came to play. And there's a lot of people. And, you know, you you get more people in the crowd. And I'm looking at this. It's like, you know, I've never really done it before. And with that first game, it's like, you know, you got – all kinds of announcements. You got all your sponsors, you got the national anthems to do, you know, announcing players, man, I was so nervous. I was about to throw up in the garbage <laughs> can up in the booth. I was, fuck, I was scared shitless. And it took a while before I could finally get comfortable. Cause like you, I mean, I was never a, a public speaker, you know, in high school, back in school days, man, I wouldn't say a fucking thing. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. That's how I was. So, uh, well, well, you know, well let's dive into the beginning years, you know, where did, where'd motorcycles come into, come into life for you?
0: Dude, super late in the game. Uh, uh, well, How old was I? I think I was like 29 turning 30. And my buddy, I'd never done anything, dirt bikes, none of that. A lot of people have this huge history behind them of riding motorcycles. And I was just, I played tennis in high school. I was all about that. And then um, a buddy, he was looking to get a motorcycle. I said, okay, cool, dude, that's awesome. They go with you when you go look around. And then the dealership was like, hey, do you and your buddy want to take the course? We'll waive the fee. And I was like, oh, dude, hell yeah. So I was like, I did it. And once I turned on the motorcycle, it was just like a little Street 500, Street 750, one of those two, that it was just, I mean, dude, I think from that day, I was hooked that it was the first time on the motorcycle, turned it on. And then I was like, dude, I need to get one. And for the longest time, I'd always wanted one. Like in college, I always saw people riding motorcycles like, dude, those guys look so dope, but I could never afford it. And... The time came after that one time where I finally wrote it said, you know what? Even if I can't really afford it, I'll learn to afford it. And then I just hit the ground running. That, That's kind of where my idea now of, uh, you know, everyone rides their own ride. Everyone has their own preferences. And if there's a new rider in your area that reaches out to you, yeah, sometimes it's not the most fun ride because they're new to riding. But at the same time, if I were to tell that kid or that person what we were trying to ride with a couple people from the dealership at one point, And the guy goes, Oh, only once you have like five or 10,000 miles under your belt, then you'll ride with us. And that's how most of the guys were. They were like, your are kind of old school biker where they said, Oh, we're not going to nurture you you're just on your own. I was like, that's kind of whack dude. Uh, cause I didn't know any roads. I pretty much just was into trucks at the time. Yeah. I was, uh, getting on the highway was like the biggest thing ever that sure. It was like the two lane was cause I came from West San Antonio and We had what's called Loop 1604, and it's your average highway. It's a two lane highway. You'd go, get off, and do get comfortable. And then when I went to the first major interstate, that for whoever's listening that has been through Central Texas, the I-35 gets pretty dicey. That that was so exhilarating. I was looking all over, like, dude, are people going to see me? What's going on? And then I just rode. I just anytime I had did, I didn't have to work. I would go out and riding. Like, where am I going? I would just pick a spot and start riding. And now I know all these roads from just doing that. And so many people always message me on Facebook like, hey, what's a good route to go? And then I always just tell them, hey, uh, you want 30 minutes? You want an hour? You want two hours? You want six hours? Because that's the beautiful part of Central Texas where I'm at. Coming from San Antonio, I rode all those roads. And I moved just slightly north to New Braunfels, which is a beautiful German town. And you have the river through it. If you ever in Central Texas hit up New Braunfels, that's a beautiful area. And now that I'm in Austin, all these roads intersect that you could easily do a six or seven hour ride connecting all those. And you'll still have plenty more to ride. You could do a whole weekend out of it. And you still won't hit all the roads. And that's kind of where I'm at today. Just riding and loving every minute of it.
1: Well, and that's all, you know, part of it. It's what it's about. And, you know, it's like I said, you know, at the beginning that. You know, and some guys, they don't want to ride people because they're new. But then the other aspects, you know what? We were all new to it at some point. I mean, everybody. Exactly. Everybody starts from the same square. Granted, like you said, some people like myself, I came from dirt bikes. I started riding when I was a little kid. But dirt bikes and riding on the road, it's two different animals. Yeah. And, hey, we all got to start somewhere. And You know, you take a guy that's new to it, introduce him to it, you know, like you understand it doesn't take long before you're hooked in it yeah yeah exactly
0: yeah because that's the thing it's i think that there's two different worlds and also coming with like say, say social media let's tie that into it that i'll get a couple messages People be like, hey, quick question, Connor, this and that, and I'll reply all the time. Sometimes it takes me a little bit longer, but usually it's within the first hour, and they get so blown away, They're like, oh, my God, I can't believe you actually responded, and it's like, of course. I mean, the fact, because I can see how it is that people can put kind of more emphasis on people who have higher follower counts, subscribers that are so on YouTube, it, because I have kind of fanboyed out meeting a couple people, but at the end, I was just like, okay, cool, you know, I got that out of the way, that's cool. And they're normal people. I have met people who are just terrible persons, but in the end, it just comes down to who you are as a person and sharing that knowledge that you've learned from motorcycles, from riding with everybody, regardless of, you know, if you've been riding for so many years. And again, it also may just come down to personality where maybe you're not friendly to new people, but once they're inside your circle and you see them at a couple of rides, then that's kind of where, you may extend that olive branch and say, "Hey, you want to come ride with us?" and so forth.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, it's and that's kind of how you you know you build friendships with other people because they might ride with you. And then hey, then they get introduced to you know one of your buddies or another guy that's there riding, and it just it branches off. And you know, the more people, I think, you know, you get introduced to this, and just it spreads like a tree's branches. You know, and all of a sudden you start making friends over here, and you got friends over here, and it just grows.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Like when we went to Born Free, I think it was like 2018, 2019, that we, I'd gone previously one year and I went back and I had met so many people the first time, but I didn't get to meet everyone that time because it was such a short trip. Essentially it was just a weekend. We ripped out there like on a Thursday, hung out Friday, Saturday, then we started coming back on Sunday. And then the second time we made almost like a week of it and we were able to meet so many people. We rode all through Riverside. I think at the end of that trip, from going out there was about a thousand miles we rode probably like three to four thousand miles while we were in california and then the additional thousand back where everyone was just super super friendly showing us local taco spots um i mean like to my homie double d and he had this super sick diner that is just done up and we were chilling at the airbnb and he just shows up one day he goes, hey, you want to take it for a spin? I was like, oh, dude, what? And I don't think he let anyone else do it. And it was just such an honor because he had the HPI, like, right when it was coming out. Super sick um, paint job done by APC Riverside. And it's like riding the Sistine Chapel of motorcycles. I was just like, dude, what? And, like, I mean, thanks to social media, Instagram and all that, I've met so many great people. Colorado was amazing that i mean we met fatty mcjason who was a local motor vlogger out of colorado and he showed up and a couple other people showed up as well but we were riding i had no actual plans of where to go and he goes hey i know this really cool spot i think it's like idaho springs It's probably wrong but it might be right and it's he goes it's a real cool spot that people kind of pass through and there's a real good brewery and i was like dope i don't drink beer you know i generally don't drink when i ride and then i was like but they have dope burgers count me in we rode and I just can't say enough about motorcycles. Those who are thinking of getting that first motorcycle, I say do it. You know, uh, just work out the financials if you can, even if it's like a little rust bucket. But with me, I always wanted the Dyna. I waited till I kind of could kind of afford the Dyna. I did. And now I have this super dope lowrider that I learned all my lessons from the Dyna. And this new MA motor, it's 10 out of 10. Nowhere near the problems that my Dyna had, but my Dyna was mostly just motor mounts. That was like the main maintenance thing for it It was replacing like two or three motor mounts, front motor mounts a year. And then the rear, like, I don't think I ever replaced it, but it needed replacing by the end of that one.
1: That's, you know, everything. I think, you know, so many people get into it. Your first bike is never going to be the bike. Yeah. You know, you kind of get what you can afford. I mean, Uh and and figure out which aspect of riding you want to go. I mean, because there's so many different avenues, whether... You know your day trip and your you know multi day trips, just having fun. You know hooliganing around, and the first bike is never going to be the bike. But if you enjoy it, get what you can afford. I mean, uh huh. Just because you know, like myself, I'm riding a Harley. You're riding a Harley. Just because your buddy's riding Harley doesn't mean that you know you've you got to go drop that coin. Yeah. There are so many other bikes out there. I mean, and you know that was the whole thing when I you know the V twin life is. V twins is everywhere. Uh-huh. Honda, Suzuki, Yamaha. I mean, Ducati, Aprilia. So many companies. Everybody makes a V twin. Yeah, that's true. Like those you Honda know, I'm Rebels. Gonna, I'm gonna ride with. I'm gonna ride with anybody. You know, I'm not. Uh uh-huh. Yeah, like if you got a Honda, doesn't mean that I'm not gonna go ride with you. I mean, dude, we're all riding with the same thing. And getting back to that is, you know, you get what you can afford. Whether you want to go get, say, you know, if we're talking cruiser bikes, you know, a guy wants to go get a, an older Honda Shadow. <laughs> a VTX, a Yamaha Roadstar, V-Star, you know, the Suzuki, the Boulevards. I mean, Mm -hmm. there are so many great bikes that a guy can get into, super affordable. Get in there, you know, get your knees in the wind, get comfortable riding, and then, you know, ride that for a while and then figure, okay, you know, this is a route I think I want to go. This is going to be my style. And then start, and then, you know, venture into that and then figure things out. You know, a guy doesn't got to go drop 20 grand right off the get-go. Yeah. Figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Because
0: the new soft tails are wicked, but the price tag, I mean, they're, they're kind of priced similar to what the dinos were, but after buying this low rider and because I think out the door I was at 15 with so much uh, ESP and all that. And I added all this stuff to it that essentially it's like, I don't know, 20, 25 grand that I have invested overall to include the cost of the bike and all the parts. That That's expensive. And if I didn't, like it so much i probably would have kept the Dyna and just dealt with all the maintenance that was coming from it like motor work that was eventually going to happen because it was starting to act weird but i've told myself this is my last brand new harley that from here on out i think my next bike if i were to get a harley it would be like a 2010 bag or something that's like 10 years old and then just replace the motor and do inverted front end and kind of just go from there because if you buy it from the dealership it's maybe 10 grand And then if you're buying a private sale for 2010, you're probably looking at seven. But then you have a motor at seven grand. You have the inverter front end at about five. And then all the work that you want to do, you already have the dual front disc. That it's still a lot of investment, but then you're going to have a super touring bike that's performance bagger oriented, that with a fresh motor, you can do all the braking. You still may have some maintenance issues with it, with a bigger motor, if you do go bigger. But you have everything that you want to do at a much lower cost than if you were to go brand new because there's so much that goes on on these forums of the new m8s which i don't know what's true because i've never experienced it myself i've been blessed enough to have the dealerships nearby that I, I guess i just talk to them all the time and make friends or who knows but that there's horror stories where they say oh the dealership plugged in my bike because i had an aftermarket exhaust now my whole warranty is voided Where I believe, I think that's completely false in order for them to do that if they were to do that because it shouldn't void the warranty. But again, I don't know anything about Harley. I'm not on the inside. I don't work for Harley. So that may actually be a thing, but that's kind of one of the nightmares that you see so many people with these newer M8s that they're afraid to touch their bikes and do upgrades unless it's a Harley tech that does it, which I get it from Harley's perspective. They want to keep the customers coming back for services where I worked retail for 20 plus years of my life. And the biggest thing that I took away from, I can't remember what job it was. It's probably some hole in the wall one, but that they said, we don't want to make them customers. We want to turn them into guests or something like that, where they keep on coming back. You make them like a buddy of the dealership, where sure, you may give them a hookup on, you know, aftermarket that's not Screaming Eagle, but then they come in for something and say, hey, you know what? I want to come back and order this through y'all, where you may not get quite as much of a kickback because it's not Harley Parts. But again, it's, dude, do what's right by the customer, get them excited about their bike, and even if they want to do something, because a lot of the local dealership watches my stories, and when I come in, they give me so much flack, because I make a lot of mistakes, and I'm real open about it, because I think that through learning, you have to acknowledge your mistakes, because it's a life lesson. It's not a failure. It's something that you learn from. And with this new shock is definitely one of the things that I'm learning a lot from because I shaved my frame. Unless Harley's listening, then I didn't do it. I certified Harley Tech did. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so dope. There were so many people that were throwing shade when I was first doing it. They said, Why do you want to do that? You shouldn't need that much gap. You don't ride that you need that giant gap. I go, I know, I'm just I like the look of the dining gap. I'm chasing that. And then once I did it. All those same people that were throwing shade, they were like, dude, you actually freaking did it. And then they said, okay, how do you do it? What exactly did you do? How is your bike?" And so it's like, yeah, dude, that to think back when I first got my Dyna, I didn't know anything. I mean, I would go to the dealership, got my oil change, and I straight up asked them, like, hey, where does the oil filter go? And a lot of people would be like, what? Are you serious? I'm like, I have no idea. It's my first motorcycle. And then I think just kind of being upfront with it that it's okay to not know something that they kind of, took me under their wing per se. And they kind of would talk to me about every time they did something or something was wrong. And I made so many great friends that I have to just give a huge shout out to Phil and Jason of Caliente, Harley Davidson, that if not for them being that open and kind of welcoming as well as like the whole service team. You had Eddie and a whole bunch of them that that was my home that when I wasn't working, I'd be there just shooting the breeze and then I'd go ride somewhere. And then that, I think that is what a lot of instilled my hunger for learning about the bike because people were willing to give me that information, just kind of like feed me that through. It was dope.
1: But see, and that's the thing I like is like, you were talking what you wanted to do and people are like, Oh God, no, you don't want to do that. But that's the whole part of owning a bike. That's one thing I get frustrated. You see in some of these different forms and groups, people get in there. Hey, I just bought this, you know, doesn't matter the brand or what type mm-hmm. I just bought this. What should I do to it? Dude, it's your bike. You know, and to me, I think of, you know, a guy buys a motorcycle. It's, I'd like to think of it in the aspect of it's a piece of art. Mm-hmm. Dude, you got to, you have a blank canvas, make it yours. And exactly what you're talking about, how you want to do with your suspension, what you're doing to people. Oh, dude, why the hell you want to do that? It's your bike. You're building what you want mm-hmm. and who cares what somebody else thinks. And that's whole, you know, one of the, the flip sides of motorcycles is why make it like everybody else's? I mean, sure, I mean styles, you know, a guy buys like me, I got a road glide, you're riding a dyne. I mean, you're gonna have that, you know, or your low rider, it's you know that's what you have. But you buy little pieces and you make it your own. You don't gotta go copy what, you know, yeah, your buddy down the street does.
0: They just kind of they'll get a product and like say if someone reaches out to a motovlogger. Let's say it's a brand Joe Schmo's Pizza Emporium and they make exhaust. and But the exhaust is terrible. Say the design rubs all over the place. You have to do tons of modification and all this other stuff that just because they got it at like a promo or free that they're going to be, oh, this is the greatest thing in, since sliced bread. But one of the things I always tell companies that whenever they reach out to me, it's like, hey, I'm down, but just know I'm not going to bash you if I don't like it. I'm going to give you constructive criticism. I'm going to list it. And most of them are like, okay, that's cool. But there was one company that I paid for everything and it was just a headache. And that he shot me a message. He called me when I was out at the dinner and just started just berating me. And he goes, remove your video. And I go, dude, I mean, I bought it. This is everything. Because I was exchanging email correspondence with him, asking about, you know, product. I just couldn't get it. Again, I was new. And then he just straight up said like, Oh, you're new to Harley's. You shouldn't be riding them because not everything fits up. Something, something, something. And I was just like, Hey man, I, I appreciate the call, but uh, I'm not going to remove the video because that was my experience as a paying customer, but I appreciate the call. And then he said some expletives and hung up and I was like, wow. Okay. So that was interesting, but just stuff like that, that if, you know, <laughs> if you're going to experience stuff, make your bike yours. Like you're saying blank canvas, because that's exactly what it is. If it happens to look like a couple other people's bikes, Cool. I mean, you like the style. The club style is huge, dude. That Fairings T bar Simpson helmets, they look so awesome. And and you may just end up looking like a lot of other bikes, but it's yours. You know, you may have a couple small accents that set it apart that you really enjoy. It's like the whole blacked out. People still really dig all blacked out dinos. And it looks sick that my Street Bob was black and I liked it. But then after about two and a half years, I was like, oh, dude, I kind of wish I got a different color. Then the soft heels came out and I said, Ooh, Ron Burgundy. It is dog.
1: (laughs) Well, it's the same thing, you know, say suspension wise. I mean, there's lots of different companies. I mean, everybody, I mean, you know, here legends is the only way to go. And there are pros and cons of everything. You want to go with legends. Do you want to go with progressive? You want to go with Fox? I mean, there's a lot of options and you know, they're all Uh great products, but there might be, you know, whether the damping or, you know, your style of yeah. riding, one might fit the other. And, you know, that's another aspect of, you know, some people might buy it and uh-huh. regret it, oh, uh, but then tell you, Oh, this is the best thing ever. it Those are not a, a cheap. Exactly. It's a huge investment. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and I'm in that boat. Cause like, you know, I want to upgrade the suspension of my roguelite, but man, it's like, e- anything it's not cheap to do. And I'm, you know, I'm still doing my homework and, yeah, yeah, you know, it's in some ways against a guy could say almost, you know, flip a coin. Do I want to go this route? Do I want to go yeah. that route? And, you know, I got to wait to see it. I mean, it it's not going to be as soon as I want, but you know, i there's some things, you know, my wish list, and like everybody has, you got your dream list, your wish list of what I want Yeah, to be. I'm
0: actually glad you brought that up because I think that's what I was trying to portray that first one that what I was just ranting about, you know, diehard brand dudes, but that. Recently came up in, in a local group here that I'm a part of that someone had asked what suspension are looking to do for their Dyna, what brands are good. And someone always says a certain brand is the way to go. All the other ones aren't even worth a second look. And I had to jump in there because there was a lot of that. So I said, hey, I'm going to give you an unbiased opinion here because, I mean, you do like the products you buy and you want other people to buy them because you swear by them. But at the same time, you have your Olins, which is like $1,200 shock. Where if you're doing your front suspension versus what I'm running right now is the progressive drop-ins. They're like a hundred bucks, and I wanted to see if it was worth any salt over stock. So I said, let me see if it's worth it. And then you have the ones in between. You have your Foxes, you have some progressives, and like the cartridges and a couple other ones in between. But you may find out that if you do the hundred-dollar drop-ins, you only spend a hundred dollars, and that's more than what you want. Like that's like, yeah, dude, I got my money's worth. But then also consider if your riding has progressed, say you were just, you know, running up and down the highway, then that's more than enough. But then all of a sudden you're starting to carve canyons, you're starting to hit the track and you need to get some adjustability to, in order to ride more aggressively, but at the same time safely, because if your shock is bouncing all over the place, it's not staying planted to the road. And all of a sudden, if you're going to turn and your shock bumps up and your wheel, lifts off of the surface then it lands back it may cause a wobble and you're going to want more of that rebound or that stiffer suspension to keep it on the road and then if it's too stiff you also want something that maybe you want have a preload versus a rebound adjustment because my end goal for the front end is the gp suspension but that's a pretty penny and that's to me i think is better for my style of riding versus the olin's front end and i really like the russ warnemont shock because it rides great. I had the Legends airbag suspension. So shout out to Hardcore Cycles because they're the OGs, baby. That thanks to them that they reached out and they said, hey, we want a video for this. Would you be interested? I said, like, dude, I'm down. And it, had, it gave me the opportunity to run the Legends airbag suspension, which is something I always wanted to do. It was amazing. Dude, I've,
1: yeah, I've been looking at those. And I mean, I would love to do the air ride. It would be fucking killer. But it's 1600 bucks. I, I think you they know, could lower it. Yeah. And, lower the price. And that that's the other side is the price, but then you know the the bigger aspect suspension comes into what is your riding uh-huh. style because I mean that's gonna open up a, a huge door I mean, like you're saying you run you know the progressive drop-ins I mean I ran progressive, I used to hill climb a Harley, and I ran progressive in the rear and dude, oh, wow. they were great shocks, but
0: uh-huh. I haven't
1: ran progressive on the road. Yeah. I've done it on the dirt, but I know their product because I've had it before, and I was impressed with them I mean you know I had you know, I could, they were fully adjustable and they were great shocks. And, you know, I'm considering going that route on my road glide here, you know, maybe spring, summertime when I, you know, have the better pockets to go buy what I want to do. But, you know, I got some other stuff in the bank and, you know, other stuff comes first, but, you know, I'm putting together that list and working my way down to, Hey, what brand is going to work for my style of riding? And that's the other thing that comes into, you know, that I feel comes into play when somebody wants to go buy, like we're saying suspension wise is, what is your style mm-hmm. of riding? What are you gonna do because that is a whole other animal when you want to talk brands and, and what is gonna yeah. work for you yeah because what's working for you may, might not go work for Joe blow on his bike because you guys are in different avenues. you're going one way, but he's going another way and there's a lot of stuff that that comes into play with it and some people might not understand they're just gonna look at well everybody's running lead you know I'm not and I'm not putting down lead uh-huh. anyway. Every, everything I've read, dude, they make a quality product. So I'm not trying to badmouth them, but you know, if you know, Joe Below saying well, everybody's running them, I need that. But yeah. that might not work for him. And you know, and that can go with anything. I mean, that could go with, you know, motor parts or that could go with, like you're saying, you know, guys handlebar setup. There's so many the aftermarket is fucking yeah. huge. That's what it boils yeah. down to. And what is gonna work for your budget is also is what it's gonna boil down to. We we all have those dream lists, but just because <laughs> that's what you want, your your wallet might not be able to back up your dreams and your wishes, and, you know, that's just part of reality, Yeah, too. it's like
0: when someone asked me about my bar setup, I a lot of times there's local guys that would be in our Facebook group, and if we're ever riding, I say, dude, you're more than welcome to take my bike for a ride, you know, go hit it up and down the block and, you know, go get coffee and come back because, again, bars is pretty expensive, and that way they can get an idea because when I had the Sporty, I had two different bar setups that with my bike right now, the low rider. It's thirteen inches, the same setup I ran the dyna it was extremely comfortable. And with the Sportster, I went a little bit lower and that was just as comfortable. So people were like, I don't know where to go. Like, do take both bikes out. You know, rip the sporty, you have a nine inch setup, and then come back, take the low rider, you have a thirteen inch setup, and they'd be like, Oh, dude, that was perfect. You know, I think I want to be in the middle, or the sporter the sportster was too short, or the low rider bars are too tall. And I think that would help a lot of people if there was some sort of way. Because I know Legends, they do a lot of their Legends demo days or something. They'll come out with the Legends van with their bikes. You go take them for a rip. And it gives you an idea of how it rides. But again, yeah, like you said, that it's just it's an expensive investment. And it's terrible when you buy something that expensive and you're like, oh, dude, this, this wasn't what I wanted. Yeah, because it,
1: like you said, that might not just be for you the piece yeah. that's gonna that's gonna work for you and, and your style and what you got going on and you know and that's completely understandable and that's you know the nature of the beast but also I guess comes down to is the part kind of you know guy you gotta do your homework yeah. a little bit. Yeah exactly. But yeah I mean that's motorcycles are I don't know. It's just it's a lot of fun and they can also just absolutely kill your pocket because it's too much fun. Hey, dude a
0: hundred percent man. Like <laughs> Either way you do it, because I kind of have an addictive personality. Whenever I do something, I'm all in, and I, I want to do that for a while. Like moto camping, the first time I was going to do it, I bought all this gear, and we didn't end up going the route that we wanted. So I had like a thousand dollars worth of camping gear just sitting. And then Colorado came, so I used them. I was like, heck yeah! Now I'm kind of hooked. I want to moto camp more. I found out that my one person tent. Oh, dude, it,
1: it's, dude, a it's blast. so much fun. Just. But uh, yeah, one person tent isn't going to yeah. work even for yeah, a no. single. One guy, you, you exactly. got to go I learned to. that the hard way. Just so you can have that uh, little uh-huh. bit of room. <laughs> yeah, I had to put my stuff in
0: my buddy's tent.
1: <laughs> you know, it's funny. I actually did a podcast with a guy the other day. His, It will air, I think, next week. Okay. I think it's going to be Saturday. But he actually hooked up and rode with you. Who? Uh, God, God, for reason I always pronounce wrong, was it Sets or Pendants?
0: Yes, yeah. He did uh we went to – we did an Iron Butt ride the other day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I talked with him last week. We did an episode, and it's, I can't remember if his was before another guy's, but yeah, it'll be either Wednesday or or next Saturday. His episode yeah. will
0: come out. Yeah, dude. That was, that was a really cool. Sets pendants. Yeah. That's that's Old Jason.
1: But yeah. No, I, I hooked up with him with uh, Sets Your Pendants last week. He, he seems pretty cool. We've talked a bunch, and he seems like a pretty cool guy. He's going through some stuff right now with it. You know, have back yeah. surgery and can't ride right now, but yeah, mm-hmm. that was a.
0: Yeah, yeah. Nah, he was able to crush miles that we did. uh The I forgot what I called it. The European Texas tour or something where it was all the European cities in Texas. Like we went through Dublin, like Ireland. We did. We didn't do Holland because it got dark and there was just a lot of uh, back roads and deer that we didn't want to hit. But we did London, England. Uh There was also Paris, Texas, or not London, London, Texas, and then Paris, Texas. There's so many towns that, in this little like our circle and then we said let's go up to oklahoma and just jammed up there hit the state line and came back
1: dude that sounds like a cool idea making a ride something like that because there's some cool places names of towns in washington that would make a cool freaking ride dude that's a killer fuck i gotta write that down
0: yeah i mean that's pretty much all because i i drink a lot of coffee i pretty much for the longest time i didn't drink for like five seven years of my life and then with Renegade Riot that I was supposed to go up to Canada, a lot of them drink and they enjoy beer and I just didn't want to show up and I thought it would be part of the experience to share a couple of drinks with them because there's so many friends I have up in the Calgary area that they have been with the channel since I first started and I wanted to share that experience. to kind of like camaraderie, like, yeah, dude, let's share a beer. So I started kind of drinking in, but for the most part, I drink a lot of coffee and I'll just do some rides where like, Hey, let's go ride a coffee. And we have a local twisty road. That's the favorite And We'll hit our usual route and then we'll go have coffee. And it's just random little rides. Like there's also Stonehenge 2 That is about two hours away from me, but it's a guy's one year anniversary with his bike. And I said, let's set up a ride. We did lost at Stonehenge. That's which is happening Sunday. And we're just going to go ride a couple of favorite roads of West tech of West San Antonio and end up at Stonehenge too and take some photos and then that's it that's the ride
1: it's about 250 mile a day or something like that. there's a there's a Stonehenge replica up here in Washington too it's <laughs> in and it's in Click Attack County but what they did there is it's also a uh military veterans memorial for every Ooh, that's right uh every veteran that served that lived in Clackett County whether you know navy coast guard army all the branches of service his mm-hmm. name is on one of the pillars and it's a complete full size one. I've I've been there twice. Once we get off, I'll text you a couple pictures. It's it's really cool because it's right up on the hill above the Columbia River in the gorge. Mm-hmm. And it is a it's a pretty cool memorial to see.
0: Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah, anything like that with the military is just it, it's so sick that I think that's a lot of the people that I met also that in California that like. I have a couple people here. If I look at my analytics and the insights from Instagram, there's a couple people here in Texas, mostly Austin, San Antonio. But most, I think like 60% of my followers are from California and a lot of them are military. And just getting the opportunity to chat and ride with them, it's like, dude, that's so awesome. Just the fact that they're making the sacrifice, You know, they're sacrificing their time, so many years of their life to join the service and put their lives on the line for us to be able to afford the freedoms that we have, like riding our motorcycles and just having the fun that we have. Because in hindsight, if I retrospect, if I were able to do high school and all that over again, like right after high school, I I would have joined the military. I didn't have the honor of serving, but whenever I get the opportunity to talk with our servicemen and women, it's so sick. It's just, it's something that I'll never take for granted. I, I mean, I love my country. I love everyone, you know, who's here Because a lot of other nations, they don't have a lot of the opportunities that we have here. And I think that's just really special. And anytime I get a chance to ride or chit chat, especially these older, older people, because my father's older. He's an octogenarian and he's still able bodied and running around everywhere that anytime I get a chance to talk with some older folk oh man, it's because you get a couple people that just talk your ear off like, oh man, why did I start this conversation? Because, you know, I'm being polite, you know, I'm a Texas gentleman like, hey, good morning, everywhere I go is, good morning, how you doing? And some people don't even bother, and it's like, well, I'll go fuck myself, dude, don't worry, just chill. Uh, but, that every so often, I've met some great people that turns out some were, you know, served in the military from way back when, they have some stories when they were in Europe, and then just all these things that they have, but just taking the time to, you know, ask them or compliment like an older gentleman, like, "Hey, I really like your hat," because they dress different than what our generation dresses like, and it's super cool to see that. Or if they have an older truck, car, whatever, that when you see that kind of sparkle come out, like, like, oh, and they get to talk about themselves, that maybe whether they don't have any more families left or whatever their dynamic is that's going on in their life that maybe they don't get that opportunity often, that those little moments, it's what makes motorcycle riding so much that I'll, I'll have a couple people come me my bike and I'll just be like, dude, that's so awesome. Do you ride and go forth? And then next thing I know, I'm in the parking lot talking for 30, 40 minutes, even with my van. Like once people start coming my van, I go on a tangent. Like, oh, dude, what? you Are you camper van? This and that. And I don't know, I I think that's when it boils down to it, I think that's what I love about motorcycles is that one is super cheap on gas, that we did that thousand mile iron butt challenge, and it was about $30 in gas for overall, maybe even less than that. And we were able to see all the sites and, but just meeting all the people that you meet on those trips, I guess you could say it's the same thing as road trips, you meet a lot of people, but you know, be open to opportunity. Someone gives you you a compliment or a conversation opener, take it, you know, just see where it takes you. You could always just dip. You can be a hundred percent rude and just walk away without saying anything. But, you know, that is what I love about riding motorcycles that you get to see everything. You get to talk with everybody and it just opens so much more. I don't know. Just, I go on tangents, but.
1: It does. It, It opens a lot of doors. You know, I touch on two aspects of that. One is, you know, I agree with, you know, exactly what you're saying about the military. I I mean, I almost went in the military, but I had an option to go somewhere else. I went to Alaska and I had a lot of fun, but in some hindsight, I wish I, you know, could have experienced that. And I hold the utmost respect to our military veterans. I mean, you know, my, a lot of members of my family went into the military. I have, you know, an uncle who He's has now since past this year. I mean, he was a POW for a year and a half. Oh shoot! You know, my other uncle, who was actually my best friend, you know, he was he did his time, and you know he he died last year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, with a uh, heart heart problems, and that one was tough. But for years, I've been riding with the Patriot Guard, and I absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. It's a great organization. You know, whether we're doing funeral escorts or whether you're doing a flag line at a funeral, you know, holding the American flag and showing respect. Because, you know, like you said, I mean, these women, men and women gave it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and we owe so much to those guys. And, you know, I, I hold a lot of passion and respect to that. And, you know, that's one organization that I I really enjoy being part of and that I like to you know give my time to is is doing that it's a great group yeah and you know as you said you know me and motorcycles can it's a great conversation starter you know whether they're traveling somewhere and you know i've met some amazing people it's like you said you know you you say hi and it can lead to a half hour conversation at the gas station and oh yeah dude it's great and you know and, and then you said you spent like 40 bucks on 1k day how the fuck did you do that yeah, because it's gas?
0: eight dollars. Uh, yeah, no, it's, yeah, I guess it'd be about thirty five dollars, 40 because it's about eight dollars a tank to fill up, and it's four and a half gallons. And usually I fill up like a hundred fifty miles, two hundred. I think and mine.
1: So... I I spent. I think it was like sixty. I, somewhere I have the Snapchat story saved from all my receipts. I did. I didn't do the iron, but I did the ride one cane a day. Uh huh. And I did that this summer. I did 1,018 miles and 19 hours, eight minutes with the time change. Yeah, and, nice. I th- and I think it was, I don't want to say like 70 something dollars in gas. I'll have to go back and find it. Cause now I'm curious. Cause it's like, when I was talking with Ramble, he's like, dude, I never thought of that, that aspect of it. Cause I went and, you know, post on my story, you know, so many miles mm-hmm. and kind of itemized everything. He's like, dude, that is a cool freaking aspect of it. He goes, I've never looked at it on that side of it. And, it's a lot of fun.
0: I, I think mean, that's it, something that everyone should do is try at least is just do an iron, butt. that's so much fun.
1: It is. And you know, the other cool aspect is it's a small, you know, in a way I like to think of it as an elite group because it's exactly. not something everybody wants to do. A lot of people are going to look at it and say, dude, are you freaking stupid? No, man, I'm not stupid, <laughs> but you know what? It was a lot of fucking fun.
0: 100%. Cause a lot of people, cause I've done a lot. I only say a lot of am maybe four, but when we go on a group, like if we go on a trip, I like to I've always done it where we I do like a 15 or 16 hour day to get most of that out of the way. And then the next one's like an easy four hour ride Um where we'll be talking in a group somewhere and they're like, oh, I got a like a long 500 mile trip. And like, oh, that's probably lunch for you, huh, Connor? Like, <laughs> I mean, I ride a lot, but I mean, sometimes still 500 miles is pretty gruesome. Depends on the weather and like if you're stopping for water that once you do your first one you'll know how not to do it the second time and then you'll learn from it but it's you learn so much about yourself about your motorcycle and if something happens to mess up you'll know hey i need this i need to bring this next time that it's teaching about your motorcycle and here we go like meditation yeah
1: i found it my post i just went through my receipts for my 1k in a day i did last month 1014 miles $93.18 Mm-hmm. Ninety-three dollars and eighteen cents in gas. Twenty-three point yeah. four four gallons of fuel. Average mile oh. per gallon was forty-three miles. Forty-three point forty-three. Not bad. Put your money where your mouth is, or put yeah. your miles where your mouth is. Yeah,
0: but it's also because we're in Texas that our, our
1: gas is so much cheaper than in a lot of places. Yeah, because I think like right now up here we're paying two sixty-nine ish for just for regular. Really? Ooh, yeah.
0: I think that's like I think right now we're at two fifteen for premium.
1: Yeah, premium's almost probably around three, which is you know what I run on my bike. But you know, like with mine, I went Washington Idaho into Montana, and then I went back down into Southern Idaho when I did mine. Mm-hmm. It, it was a lot of fun. It was it was a fucking blast. I can't wait to do it again because I got some killer plans coming up for one come springtime.
0: Really? Like what? What do you got going on? Uh,
1: it, it it's like top secret.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Are you going to hit it, any uh, events this year?
1: I'm going to try to. There's some stuff I want to try to. I'm, it just depends how my, you know, getting into a new job and how that mm-hmm. goes. But I want to hit some stuff, but I got a killer idea for another ride, one cane a day. And I actually, I believe everything works out right. I've talked to some guys. There's a few, few bigger guys from the East Coast that are actually going to fly out to the West Coast to be part of it. And sure. it's going to be quite an epic event. Maybe we can talk. Yeah. on the phone sometime and i'll i'll ring into it because it's gonna be pretty fucking awesome
0: hell yeah yeah i think uh like i there's a lot of people are gonna be going to sturgis or if unless COVID 20 comes about but that it'll be the first time i've yet to hit that and i was talking with a buddy out in california and i said dude if you go right now i'm telling you i'm gonna go and i think there's a couple of people from like new york that want to go and so uh, that's the one I'm gonna try to shoot for. Is gonna be Sturgis this year for just one weekend.
1: I'd like to do that, and I know 2022 is the hundredth anniversary of Laconia, and I would love to make Ooh, it to that. Laconia that. is that. Laconia is older than Sturgis, yeah. And that'll be their hundredth anniversary is gonna be, and which is in June, and that's 2022, and that would be fucking awesome to make it there.
0: That's why I was looking forward to that Renegade Riot because uh, the girl that kind of started it I, I don't know if she did i don't want to misspeak but i think she was like the founder of it uh, either that or co-founder but uh johanna or something and she's part of the leaders of edmonton i think and so
1: the first that is is a huge group in itself boy the dude, leaders have
0: grown a hundred percent they're everywhere it was yeah. good that's so dope that there's that organization
1: but or did the women definitely definitely uh, def- uh Demographics of motorcycling is growing fucking huge, well, which no. is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, because that's, dude, I just love
0: women, and then women who ride. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that guy that was like a burst right there, dude.
1: Oh, that was awesome! <laughs> but, oh, like
0: just oh, a woman that rides is dope. Wonder if
1: I can pull a soundbite clip out and post that. <laughs>
0: Honor,
1: uh, I love women, but.
0: Because you know, there's there's both sides to that coin. Where there's the really feminine ones that like to show off their body with their motorcycles, and there's the ones that are part of like the whole—I don't want to say feminist movement—but they're kind of you know they're trying to get women to be seen as equal without having to show skin in order to be considered a rider. You know, when people right. say, and, "Oh, you yeah, exactly. So it's like either one. If I see a girl on a bike. I mean, I think it's the same thing with every guy. They're like, "Oh, you know, what? I'm gonna start drooling." But there's these chicks that I come across, like on Instagram. I have so many girl crushes, dude. That are girls that ride, beautiful women, and they just stack miles. And like, dude, why aren't you all in Texas? Like, I mean, I get instant, insta, not instant, yeah, Instagram crushes almost every month. I'll come across a new chick, and then uh, more power to them. Just you know that they're able to do what they do and they, they'll work on their bikes too. And it's just like, Oh man, you know, I'm going to carry that ring in my pocket in case I come across them.
1: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> not me, man, I've been actually this year, I've been married 20 years this year.
0: No shit. Yeah. Congratulations. That's, that is awesome, dude. That's a, that's a long time, man. Yeah. You're not just, fuck, you're telling me. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. Actually, you know, the other thing I was going to ask you, So, here recently, you partnered up with Rad Flags. Yes. Yeah. yeah. How did you come across them? I'm just curious. Did they Uh, reach out to you or what?
0: No, I don't even know how we came across that. I was always kind of talking with Ken and Lisa Prentice. Those are the people behind the magic that is Rad Flags. And I thought it was a cool idea. I think just because I've always been something about safety. Like, the main thing I always – like, I just started this newsletter for the Patreon. And this last one I did, I kind of went on a tangent because I really harp on safety. That sure that you know, like it depends on what aspect of safety. Because there's Dan, the fireman, who does gear. He does a lot of video, I guess I don't know reviews, and he talks about gear, things that people could avoid for accidents. My thing is more on medical. I don't have medical background, but it's just some of the horror stories that I've kind of witnessed, secondhand, thirdhand, and then we had a couple friends that lost their life from just. Just bad accidents, and I always say, dude, if at all, if you don't wear a jacket, you know, textile, even if it's just leather without pads or something, uh, just bring a tourniquet, either somewhere in your bar back, somewhere, because you're on a motorcycle. If it's a T-bone and they hit your leg, that's a pretty severe accident for your leg. It's just your meaty flesh against thousands of pounds of another vehicle, and it's just like, you know, that's just the one thing. I went on a huge tangent because. I got into this kind of disagreement with a local rider in the greater central Texas area where I posted on my ride to Colorado that a lot of these times are rural routes that you take. And most often it's going to be 30 minutes response time before medical gets to you. And then if you're rural, they're probably still going to have to call out a helicopter if they haven't already. And then you still have a 20 minute flight, if not a 40 to 50 minute ride ride in an ambulance and it's like dude your time is minimizing and don't entrust your life in others because most often the culture today they're going to stand around and freak out or just pull out their phones and be like hey look what i saw today and yeah good point I, yeah and so i like with me i always bring an ifat kit and that's just the individual first aid kit for a lot of people who aren't familiar with the acronym and it just depends on what you have in yours that the lot of times they sound with like your basic first aid bandage you have some hemorrhaging bandage if so that way if you put it on it's going to help clot and uh, i do a clotting agent that's just me personally because again in those types of situations because this other one he had a medical background he goes uh as a first responder i didn't want people using clotting agents i go i appreciate that and he kind of gave me the reason why but then i was like also if i'm in the middle of nowhere i'd rather just put that in there and then put a bandage on it tourniquet if i need to because if you have a lower appendage Injury, like say you have an arterial bleed on your leg, it's a pretty massive one that you're gonna want two tourniquets, and if you can, just like an appendix tourniquet. But
1: Uh, yeah, the femoral artery will pump out a lot of blood.
0: Exactly. So with whenever I go on rides, I always have my iFat kit visible. So if I need to grab it for someone, cool, it's there. Or if I wipe out, I can be like, if I'm conscious, hey, Mister or Missus Citizen, I have this really cool iFat kit that's tan. It's right inside my bike. That's super dope. FXLR over there. Well, can you grab it and those two tourniquets in there? Put them around my leg like this, and you know, it's just—it's increasing my chances of not losing limbs and surviving.
1: You know, honestly, that's something I've never thought of that I don't fucking carry in my bike. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because
0: they're about twenty-five bucks, and then if you get a cool little carrier, it's like an extra thirty. But you just need one because that will go a long way, and then you can make shift a belt. But again, two is one, one is none. Right,
1: that's actually a good idea. But you know, the point I was getting at with the Rad flags when I asked you is. Oh, I totally forgot about that. Which, all right. it, Well, no, that's right. Which was part of the reason how I got in touch with you because I was actually the one that won the giveaway. And you'd send oh, that's it to right. me. And when yeah. I, you know, and at first it's like you see all these giveaways and, dude, you know, I don't know, sometimes I'm lucky. I seem to get them frequently. And somebody tagged me and it's like, cool, you know, I'll play along. why well, I end up winning huh. and It gets here and it's like, you know, I don't even honestly know what the fuck I'm getting. It's, you know, at first I saw a hat because I got <laughs> – you know, I'm a hat fool. I have, Jesus, I probably have close to 300 hats. Uh-huh. And, oh, shit. and then I open the thing. It's like, well, what the hell is this? And I look at it and it's, dude, that is a freaking genius little idea. Mm-hmm. At nighttime, yeah. you know, I've even, you know, I've shown a lot of people and actually I'm, I'm going to order some for gifts for, you know, for some friends that also ride because it's a killer idea. And guys even brought up points. He goes, you know, when you're riding at night, you know, you see a lot of guys on beggars, you know, they'll put the strips of lights on their, on the tour pack. You get uh-huh. the extra lights on the saddlebags and motorcycles were smaller than cars. Yeah. The more lights sometimes on yeah. the better the guys feel, the more lights, the people are going to see me. I'm going to be a little bit safer. And one guy, he brought up a point. He goes, you know, this isn't even a bad idea of having that flag on your bike. Strapped to the luggage rack at night because it reflects.
0: He goes, There's so oh, much. I never
1: thought about that. As the guy he goes, You don't got to be broke down. He goes, But that could be just another aspect of riding in nighttime with the Velcro. Mm-hmm. But yeah. dude, that little flag I think is freaking genius. And actually, I've reached out to them and I'm hopefully going to be doing a podcast with them here in a couple weeks just to talk about it because I think that was actually a killer idea. I love mm-hmm. what they had. I mean, the other aspect that I like is. Basically, it folds up into like a film canister. It takes up no room Mm -hmm. to put it in your bike. Whether I mean a guy can put it in their pocket when they go for a ride. It's that small. Yeah, but it can add a huge layer of safety. Whether you're broke down on the side of the road, a guy wants to run it. You know, like I said, strapping their bike at nighttime, it might flap around, but it's not going to come off because they do have a real heavy Velcro. Yeah, but people are going to see it, and I think that rad flag is the most awesome safety idea that I've seen of anybody for the motorcycle industry. I fucking love that thing.
0: Yeah, because even if, like you say, if you're not broken down, because I know that's what it's, the RAD stands for Rescue and Distress, and that's what they kind of intending for it. Kind of like with the, if you see a biker with his helmet behind his motorcycle, that's kind of him saying, hey, I broke down, I need help. Right. And But I, every time I pull over, even if it's just to kind of, you know, shoot the breeze or something, I'll whip it out, and then I'll put it on my bars, because again, it's that added visibility, and you can never have enough of that because I've had cars that I have my high, I always run my high beams and they'll flash at me. I'm like, dude, whatever. I'm not trying to die. And I have the floodlights on my crash bars. And even then people will see me and then just either pull out from a gas station in my lane and either that or go left kind of crossing across. But then it's just figuring out your driving pattern. Always expect it because that's going to save you. And then it's, I've talked about it in a couple of videos, but it's what's your OODA loop kind of your orientation, something, something decision in action where, Pretty much if you process something like so, it's kind of saying, hey, this car is in front of me. Cool. You know, you process that. But if something happens, you haven't processed what your game plan is. So if you see a car in front of you, hey, I think he's going to pull out in front of me. I'm going to expect that. You already know that action is going to happen and you're prepared for it. All of a sudden, if he does pull out, then what am I going to go? Am I going go to go my left lane or am I going to go into the grass, in the median, etc.? Now you've thought that far ahead. And so you're already processed it. So if that does happen your brain skips to step four. Hey, this happened. This car is in front of me. Done. He's already pulled out in front of me. Done. He's already done this. My, my exits, this Avenue, I already know where I'm going. Done. Now all you need to do is just act on that final action.
1: Well, and it's like, you know, you going through that. I know like me, I'm in Washington state. It is actually Mm -hmm. legal and recommended in Washington that motorcycles ride with their high beams on. It's actually Mm -hmm. in the driver's guide. Well, the motorcycle endorsement guide for getting your endorsement. That is a law, it's legal, and they actually recommend it in Washington. And as for like what you're, ta- what you're talking about is, I totally agree, dude, when I'm, when I'm on my bike riding, I'm not so much as watching the car in front of me as I'm watching the car in front of them. Mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I'm watching two, three cars ahead, I'm watching taillights, and I'm watching brake lights because we're a lot smaller. I mean it's very motorcycles, you know, you're riding very much defensively and mm-hmm. it's like you said you know what you're talking about okay this car's here i'm gonna go in the grass and going here dude i'm the same way but it's like i'm also whether i'm on the road freeway or whatnot i'm paying attention two or three cars in front of me just to keep myself you know yeah. i want to keep myself safe and you know i keep that safe distance but you got to pay attention to your surroundings and yeah i mean exactly. yeah we all want to enjoy it we're having fun but you got to have that safety side and you got to be a very defensive motorcycle because dude you're a lot smaller than the cage
0: yeah and at least just think of the possibility you don't have to have a whole game plan but like right. hey if i go down you know do i have an emergency contact and call you know just that's your basics and that's kind of it that
1: Hey, no, it's sad, dude. I've made a lot of notes. We've had so much fun talking, that it's like I haven't even touched on anything. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the one thing I did want to touch on, though, is your Pelican cases. I know recently you upgraded to a, a larger, I don't know if you want to classify it as the Tour Pack Pelican.
0: Oh, yeah, Tour Pack Daddy? Yeah, it's <laughs> me right now.
1: So, you know, what's your opinion? You know, how, how essentially, dude, how do you like your Pelican cases to begin with?
0: I love them, dude. Uh, I ran the Pelican 1430s initially. Those were top load. I ran them on a crash bar style cage, but then I had the opportunity, thanks to Elite Turing Innovations, that they reached out and they said, hey, we were looking to see if you'd be interested in running our setup. Would you be willing to sell your setup or whatever, just run ours? And then like five minutes later, I posted mine up for sale and said, hey, dude, these are for sale. I said hey I'm down if that speaks volumes just let me know and because it's just always interesting to try out different bag setups just because everyone's always looking for something that some may be better than others and now I'm running the 1485s on the sides and those are what you'd call side load and they're a lot shallower I guess sideways the way you would store them than the 1430s and I've learned to Kind of pack with these. I like them because they look sleeker, uh, but then that's also what prompted me to buy that new tour pack Pelican because I have the fifteen twenty five, which is it's pretty deep. It can fit my drone and my Canon DSLR with several lenses, and that's good. But for trips, I knew I was going to need something deeper and just a little bit wider, and that's why I went with that one. And also, I just wanted to see if their touring platform would work with that style of bag and sure enough it did and a buddy uh went up and picked up another bag and he also sent me photos like dude hell yeah dude that's dope so we're kind of exploring tour packs of your mid-class cruisers
1: yeah it's awesome i I know it's like i mean i'm fortunate i mean i got you know the i run the road glide so i got the factory Mm -hmm. hard bags and before i got my road glide from my dad he'd actually found a a fucking smoking deal on the factory tour pack that was already actually paint mash and everything so i'm pretty fortunate but i told my wife you know with my birthday in a few months i'd love to get the rick rack just for a little bit more storage would be awesome Mm -hmm. yeah
0: no i like them just because it adds more i guess convertibility on where you can go what you can pack
1: and for me, I mean, I would love to pick up a low rider at some point. I mean, it's not going to be anytime soon, but mm-hmm. I've I've seen more and more people running the the pel, especially the top cases. Yeah. But it's a great option besides, you know, leather or you know, textile bags. I mean, those, if I'm not correct, I mean, those are completely waterproof, aren't they? Yeah. And see, that is a huge point. I mean, before I got my Road Glide, that was one of the biggest points you know, little boxes checked off was I wanted hard bags. You know, I live up in the Northwest. We get a lot of rain. I mean, if I go 60 miles west of Port Angeles where I live in Washington, they average 13 feet of rain a year.
0: Holy crap.
1: And I mean, we get rain. So, you know, I do a lot of riding in the Northwest. And knowing that, you know, you're going somewhere, you get to that destination, knowing that you have something dry to put on is huge. And that was... You know, one of the main check boxes that I had is, dude, my next bike is going to have hard bags. I want to know that I got hard bags and know that I got, you know, dry clothes. If I got to change that I have something dry to put on. So that was, you know, the biggest, you know, check box of what I wanted before the, you know, how I acquired my Road Glide. Yeah, dude. Hard that was awesome. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I would love to get, you know, someday, you know, add another bike. Well, actually... I have a big list, honestly, but, you know, you got to <laughs> you, you gotta knock them off one at a time.
0: Exactly. Yeah. It's like, I think that's what makes owning your motorcycle that much cooler because once you knock off those items, like right now I'm trying to do like a track build with my bike where I get a spare set of 10s and a spare setup in the event that for some reason, now that I'm doing, I want to do at least four track days and then with it, it's going to come a little bit more confidence, a little bit more speed. But the event that I low side, I keep my tins mint, my stock ones, and then I'll have the spare set. But like the fuel pump assembly for the M8, this is 600 bucks. It's like two what? So I've gotten most of the other items, and that's gonna be one of the last ones that I pick up because it's a bigger chunk of change. Right.
1: Yeah. See, and I'm just not sold on the on the MHS. I mean, I love the twin cams. I know how to work on them. I can dig into them, and I'm comfortable with it. And You know, I mean, I I run my Road Glide's in 04. I'd love to pick up like a 2010 to a 2012-ish next, Mm -hmm. you know, either the 103 or the the 110. But I'm just a a huge fan of those twin cams. And the other aspect is, you know, I I know how to dive into it, and I can work on them. And that's the other biggest point for me is it's not cheap to have how to do your work. But when you – I mean, I'm comfortable turning wrenches. I love doing it. I enjoy it. And knowing that I can work on it and I'm comfortable with it is a is a huge point. And you know, I'm gonna I love my O four. It'll never go anywhere. I'm gonna keep it forever just because it. You know, the sentimental value is that it was my dad's and now it's mm-hmm. mine. And I'm gonna see how far that motor will go before I replace it. That's dope. And, and I before know. I can – on, because well, how many miles you got on yours? Uh, Thirty two thousand. I'm at a hundred
0: one. Oh, do you see that's dope? And that's so cool. I you know. I, I mean,
1: I, I, I replaced the clutch last year. Actually, the factory clutch went 93,000 miles. That and so... uh, I think in August, awesome. I replaced Ugh. a stator. I think it was July, I did the stator, which that, that was quite the ordeal because you had to pull, dive into it. At, yeah. I had and to, you know, worry. to reassure myself that I could do it essentially. You know, me <laughs> and dad, we've. We got a bike lift up in my dad's shop, so I've I've redone the stator and I've redone the clutch in it. But you know, I I have a black book and essentially what we call the black book, it is black, you know, and it has every service that my dad has ever done on it, from every single oh. oil change, every date that he's done the tranny, the primary. I mean, down to the date, battery, spark plug, spark plug wires, dates of when he checked tire pressures every year, and you know, I continue to fill in the black book now that I have it. And, mm-hmm. It, it's just one of those bikes it's a very sentimental machine and it's one that'll never leave the garage and you know down the road sure I mean, i'll i get another one or a few more but you know no, I, I have my plans it started as a stock 88 it's been bumped up to a 95 and it has some other goodies in it and it, it'll go to one of my kids down the road but you know i'll get another one and It's just, it's one of those bikes that'll never leave the family because my dad was the original owner. I'm the second owner and it's going to go to one of my boys. But I've seen so many of these bikes that go, those twin cams, 200 plus before serious stuff. As you know, and I'm very meticulous about the maintenance and I'm going to see how far it's going to go. I'm curious now, too. I mean, I have a good friend that has an 05 and he's at 176,000 and he's never tore into the motor one time. Not once. Nope, not once. Besides, uh, I mean, the only thing you could say he tore into it was he changed – he's gone through, I think, two clutches uh-huh. and regular oil changes. I mean, uh, primary chain tension, but as for serious maintenance, you know, piston rings, barrels, you know, cams and all that, everything's stock, still going.
0: It was like one of my buddies, uh, Grant, he got a newer M.A. I think it was a 2017 or 2018. It was a road king. And at that time, he started up a suicide awareness program that – he was on an Instagram and he said he was for the year only and uh, right out of the darkness is what it was called. And he set off to ride a hundred thousand miles for suicide awareness and prevention. And I had the, 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 opportunity to meet him when he was coming through Austin, we ended up just coming across each other on Instagram and we were chatting. He goes, Hey, I'll be rolling through if you want to meet up, but I'm only going to be there for a little bit. I'll be down and have dinner and then I got to continue riding. And, and I'll say, okay, cool. And the day was supposed to be coming it was pouring down rain. I was like, what? And so I told him, Hey, meet me here. And it was just so cool to see. I mean, he had the whole setup. He was just covered in rain and water and that he just showed up. He goes, Hey, where are we eating? And it's like, what? That's so cool. And then I like, just, we sat at the barbecue spot for maybe like two hours and we exchanged a great conversation. And uh, he hooked it up with a t-shirt and I was just proud to wear it. And then it was just kind of something that, you know, it, it raised awareness with me because I didn't know quite as much of the information that he provided and then I was like, Oh, no way. And so I thought that was really cool. And but he had I think so many Because I think the first generation of the MA's were pretty terrible. That a lot of the touring had something that was a real prominent issue. Um and it's got yeah. Yeah. Something that would go to, I think the transmission for the transmission to the primary or something like that, mm-hmm. where they would crack in the transmission and check their fluid. and It would just be completely bone dry. And so they had to service so many of them, but mine so far so good because I mean, I ride it at like 4,500 RPMs, 99% of the time I'm on the highway for like an 18 hour ride. That sucker's roaring and oh. you know,
1: and it's like my dad. He, My dad's got a 2019 Road Glide. Knock on wood. He's mm-hmm. never had a problem. His Another, you know, one of his good riding buddies, that, dude, they ride all the time. I think he's got a 17 Street Glide. He was on a trip from Washington. He was going through Montana and same thing, dude. Lost the fucking oil pump and fucking blew the motor. He ended up flying home and told Harley, dude, fix my bike because it's under warranty. And they they redid his motor, but you know it's hit and miss you hear people that have issues with them and mm-hmm. then other yeah. people that don't it, and God, i don't know it's like buying a bike is a flip of a coin is mine gonna make it or am i gonna blow it
0: And yeah that, i'm hoping mine goes that's the scary because... part it's
1: like fuck who knows
0: yeah i'm gonna try to blow my motor because it's my last year of VSP.
1: <laughs>
0: i don't know what happened
1: harley i don't want i mean mine's good i mean mine and at fifty K my I went to the gear driven cams. It's you know, she's got a nice lope, it's got a good set of cams and it's had a few goodies put in it, but you know, everything else is just is stock and fuck she runs like a top and fuck I enjoy riding it. I'm gonna see how far she's gonna go. So what's your favorite riding area down there in Texas? That, you know, one area or so that you really enjoy to ride. Uh
0: I used to really enjoy riding with San Antonio. Pretty much kind of would be West San Antonio. And then I moved up to Austin and I haven't looked back that I think most of the awesome roads, because it's a little bit more Texas Hill country here that I'll do. There's a favorite road. I never like to disclose it because it's already packed enough as it is. But if you come to Austin, someone's going to tell you it. Uh, Or if you ever in Austin, just shout me a holler and I'll show you all the road. I just won't disclose it over public forums, but (laughs) that's definitely a favorite because it's two lanes it's real close um and you can really get aggressive if you want that when i first rode it oh man dude i think i was doing the speed limit maybe even under and some of these hairpin turns i'm like oh this is so fast but now i'm hitting those suckers like at 60 and it's funny because a lot of times we'll we'll meet new people and they're like hey y'all want to ride and i'll say yeah cool come on and i'll say hey just so you know After the first few turns, I'm going to try to go slow, but just know that I'm probably going to lose you. But this road comes to a T. And usually if I don't see you for so often, then I'll pull off before the T. And I know if you're not there within two to three minutes, you went down or something happened, I'll come back and get you. And we always tell people that because sure enough, since we ride this road all the time, we're better at it, but there's still people who are faster than us at it. And that's definitely one of them. But then you also have 1431 which it takes you from Cedar park, which is North Austin, all the way out to Marble falls. It's about a 40 minute ride and you can gun it. I think the speed limit's 55, but we'll hit it like 85 or 90. And sometimes we may hit triple digits, um, but that's just where it gets more fun because you're kind of leaning off the bike. You're pushing your bike towards the, the outer edges of your tires, but at the same time, that's where I gravitated towards track because my riding had become a little bit too aggressive, where there was a couple close calls where I said, mm, maybe we should slow down where I'll still kind of push it, but like I mean, if you ever come to Austin, there's tons of amazing roads. like up in Dallas, which is about two and a half hours north of me, that it's pretty flat, and there is a really cool road out towards uh, Mineral Wells. There is a high hotel out there, which is pretty cool. But you pretty much go up to Fort Worth to go two hours west. And just out of nowhere, there's Park Road 4. And you end up in Stephenville, which is like a home of Tarleton University. I think it's like a real big agriculture area. And just great scenery that this road is super technical and amazing. And then everything else is flat, which is just so strange. But that's a really fun uh, road to ride if you're in the Fort Worth area.
1: So yeah, I hope to make it down there. within the next two years, would be awesome to come down there. I mean, you know, it'd be cool to meet up with you, and I got some other friends that it would be awesome to meet up with. And I think be, I got so many places. My bucket list of places to visit are fucking huge.
0: Yeah, dude, and they keep on growing.
1: Oh, dude, you're not kidding.
0: Yeah, like I want. I just want to get to the level of either sponsors or just. You know YouTube success where it starts paying for stuff where one I want to be able to afford to have you know a permit from the city to close down my favorite road and then just you know we'll run it for ten minutes with no cars on it just boom 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 good good and then there's also another park that's nearby the same thing with that one um but also be able to get my bike ship it to Europe, ride all over Europe I mean from England and then ship it over a crate over to Paris, like to France in general, and ride all through Germany, through uh, uh, Switzerland. What's the other one? Where's Amsterdam, at? That one, Denmark, right? Germany. I that's where oh, is that... whoops, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> uh, and then like Greece, all that. I just want to ride it
1: everywhere I can. And one day, yeah, I would love to do Europe. Would be freaking awesome. I agree. Yeah, but and again, I mean... the women out there psh, done. But you know, then it's like I've talked to so many people. It's like you know. The United States has so much area. Mm -hmm. The United States has so much area and so much freaking scenery and places to see too that, I mean, a guy could ride for every United States too, but I'd love to see Europe too. There's some, I mean, I want to go through England and up through Scotland and there's so many places in the UK, I mean, not just the UK, but in Europe, that would just be freaking amazing. But same thing with the United States. I mean, I'd love to get through the, the Smoky Mountains the Adirondacks. I mean, I want to get down south. I would love to go through Texas. I'd love to ride the Gulf Coast and down through the south. And I'm a big history guy. I would love to go through, you know, Louisiana, Alabama. You know, I want to hit that monument in Florida, you know, Key West. The Four Corners oh, ride yes. would be freaking awesome to do.
0: Key West is dangerous, dude. There was a, we were out there with a the buddy and we were scuba diving out there. That there, I think it's either Hog Heaven or. The pig blanket or something where, I mean, Florida, I think the bar goes at three or four, one of those. So we were out late. That's when I was drinking. I was just like, dude, so much fun. And then it's just a great area. Key West, just all that. Great diving too. I mean, like as clear as the water was, I was real surprised. Like I thought Florida waters were all messed up.
1: Yeah, it is. But yeah, the four corners ride would be freaking cool. I mean, you go from Blaine, San Cedro, California, Key West, Florida, Manawaska, oh, Maine, yeah. and, and back to Blaine would be, I mean, that's a huge ride. It'd be awesome to do someday.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I definitely agree. I want to do that. And then also, I'm, I'm trying to plan a trip up to Canada, but it's four years from now because it's the Aurora Borealis is kind of on the down peak this year and then it comes back next year. But the peak of this next cycle is going to be in four years. I said, oh, be, I'm going to start planning now so that way I can – I'm going to load the bike up in the van so that way I can just either straight shot it somewhere in that area, like kind of do Vancouver, all of Washington, Idaho, and that way I can ride as much as I can everywhere I can. And whether it be raining, snowing, in the middle of the night, whatever, but that way I can be up there and then, you know, ride Alaska if possible, but then also –
1: Aurora Borealis is freaking awesome to see. It's fucking cool as hell. Have you seen it? Oh, Yeah.
0: see that's so cool like i really want to check i don't know what happened but i think since it probably started with moto camping not gonna lie where i got real spiritual with kind of like just that whole essence of you the bike just adventure and just witnessing stuff that you normally don't witness that I, i don't know it's just being like realizing how small we are as humans versus the history of the earth everything just taking it you know, not for granted. And it's, uh, uh, so do so.
1: I mean, you know, if you want to come up here, you know, you you'd say you come up to Northwest, you know, throw your bike in the van. I mean, dude, there's places if you, I mean, I live up, I'm literally a border town and you hop the ferry, well, the ferries aren't running because of COVID, but you could hop the ferry from here in Port Angeles to go over to Vancouver Island. I mean, there's other ferries you go to Seattle and you head up. I mean, if you couldn't go across from here in PA, you're three hours from Bellingham up at the border, Blaine, into Canada. And you could venture all over through there. But, I mean, you, did you came up this way. And you just wanted to park the van and take off. I mean, dude, I got plenty of places up here. You could park your van at family's house and be totally secure. And, dude, you could take off for as long as you want on the motorcycle.
0: Dude, that's dope. I might definitely take you up on that because, again. Oh, it's not a problem at all. Yeah, those Canadian women, some more love that I need to show them. Just fuck, oh, dude. <laughs> Yeah, so Renegade Riot is going to be on my list. Probably not next year, but hopefully the year after that. Because, like, um, I think it was the second year when I really wanted to go, but I just couldn't. I knew I couldn't. And then the third year, which was supposed to be this year, I wanted. Because it's it's what I would think Sturgis was when it first started. That it's just a close-knit group of people that they just have so much fun. There's no drama. And just everyone that I know that pretty much – come back to people that I know in Calgary, they all go out there. There's a bunch of Canadian uh, brands that go out there, show the support. And just, it looks like so much fun. It's like a giant camping trip for the weekend with your buddies.
1: Yeah. Super cool. And, and we have a huge run up here every year up in uh, Anacortes. It's uh-huh. In September, they call it the oyster run. Cause I mean, oysters are huge up here. In I've Utah- never had oysters. You take a town of a population of around seventeen thousand, and then mm-hmm. in one weekend you bring in around thirty thousand motorcycles. Oh! I mean, they they close down Main Street, and Main Street looks like Sturgis. I mean, it's it's the biggest motorcycle run in the Northwest up here in Washington, and it, it's freaking awesome. I mean, you got all the vendors, all your big manufacturers, you know, semis or demo rides, and oh, dude, it's freaking huge. It's the third weekend in September every year. It's freaking awesome. So do they have like oyster-specific
0: kind of like a theme?
1: It, it's the name. I mean, you can go up there everywhere, you know, different bars would not get oysters, but it's just the name that okay s- stuck with it years ago, and it's just, oh, God, the Oyster Run's been going for shit a long time.
0: Because I do want to ride up there because it's just so beautiful. For all the photos that I've seen – And even just kind of riding, parking it on the side of the road and exploring the beach and just kind of sitting there,
1: I think that would be cool. Just all that. Oh, and there's some amazing places up here. I mean, Highway 20, the North Cascades, you go up over that, and there's two lakes up there. You got Lake Diablo and Lake Ross, and they're like a brilliant emerald green. And they're just, oh, dude, it's freaking beautiful. Yeah, It's it's one of the little secrets of Washington is the North Cascades Highway. Because
0: I know photos just won't do it justice. It's seeing it in person and then just all your senses just coming to life to ingrain that memory even more inside your brain. Like you're going to smell the salt. You're going to smell the dew. You're going to feel the humidity if there is any. Just the precipitate, Like everything just comes to life. And you just remember that. If you were to close your eyes after seeing it for the first time, it's like, what? All right.
1: Oh, dude, I could take you to some amazing places in Washington, you know, travel around, show you some killer places you ever made it up here.
0: Yeah, it's on the list. Because I think this year – I keep on trying to push the Teespring store where I told, like, hey, if it works out, everything from the Teespring store, it's going to be for the East Coast tour, where I, I have some homies from out in New York and super cool guy and – uh him and I were chatting when I first got my dine, and we were always kind of exchanging messages. And we still talk a lot today. That I do want to go up there and kick it with him, old Chris Donahue. And then also, of course, I have to kick it with FXDLS Brooklyn. That I think when we were trying to do something with Memphis Shades as a group, that I was like, hey, shoot me your, your name. That way I can provide it to them, your email, and all that. And he told me his name. I go, mm, nah, I'm going to still call you Brooklyn. That you just, to me, that's the name that I've associated with you, and that's what your name is. And, uh, like, with, with mine, it's funny because it's actually not Connor. It stemmed from Connor, that anytime I introduce myself, people <laughs> would be like, oh, hey, Connor. Like, well, that's uh, not really It's Connor. And they're like, Connor? Like, it's like Connor with an inflection. And then uh, when it came time to doing the MotoVlog channel and Instagram, I said, you know what? I'm just going to do Connor. And then for when I played Xbox, I used to put my gamer tag as, oh, you mean Connor. And it stemmed from a whole bunch of stuff that. And when I first started meeting people at rides, I would introduce myself as Connor. Hey, what's up, ma'am, Connor? And they'd be like, oh, hey, Connor. And then they saw it on Instagram, so everyone just assumed my name was Connor. And uh, it kind of fits now. Like, I kind of do see myself as a Connor. But anytime I go anywhere, like, you know, coffee order, et cetera, it's Connor because it's also um, super original that I know what my coffee order is. Or if they look at the cup and they can't spell it or say it, I'm like, oh, that's me. (laughs) Oh, okay, ha, ha
1: oh and that's like me i mean you know i mean forever now everybody's you know my nickname had just grown with my kids your sports is you know d woods but i mean my real name is denver and mm-hmm. it's very original there's ain't nobody else around with it
0: that's how i know you this is d woods I, like because uh in the messages i have it as like your number is denver but every time i'm looking for you i just know d woods
1: oh i mean since i mean i've I coached baseball for years, for like 12 years in town through, you know, Little League and Junior Babe Ruth. I mean, there'd be times I would go through Safeway, the big, you know, our grocery store. There'd be Mm. people at the other end of the aisle, you know, some of my my kids' friends, D-Woods, and they'd be yelling across the freaking grocery store. And it's just stuck. I mean, that's what it's been forever. I mean, shit, my own kids call me that instead of dad, it's (laughs) (laughs) D-Woods. It's just how it's been forever. That's dope. That's
0: perfect. It's cool. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just, you know, something that just sticks.
1: Yep. And then, you know, it's like me, you know, I, I had the patch and, you know, fuck, it's on my vest. D Woods, that's me. Yeah, yeah. Well, shoot, man. Fuck, thanks for, you know, taking time under your evening. Gr- granted, we had a little, you know, miscue. And, and since we're in different time yeah. zones, I wouldn't yeah, to make good. this happen. But, hey, that was my fault. I.
0: <laughs> now, you're straight because I set aside time and – I was like, well, you know, let me just go ahead and knock out what I had to do with the van because that's going to be interesting. I'm I'm actually doing my first stealth camp with it this weekend, which is going to be interesting because it's not set up for it at all. Most people, when they stealth camp, their van's already set up, but we're still in the very beginning stages of setting up our van. But it's an adventure. So, I, you know, that's all I had to do tonight. And then so I got work tomorrow. And then after that, jamming down to the next city. It's about two and a half hour ride or drive. And then just because with it being winter... A lot of times when I set up these rides, it's I always forget I'm two hours away, so then I would have to wake up like at 7 to ride, two hours to meet up, and then ride more, but it's going to be like 40 degrees. It's like, uh, I'd rather just sleep in the van with my new sleeping bag. It's super supposedly super warm, so we'll be able to test that out, and it should just be for a good time. But yeah, dude, I mean, I, I appreciate you thinking of me to have me on here. It's super dope. And- oh, dude,
1: hey, we can hook up anytime. It's like... Dude, I mean, we both share, a, you know, the passion for motorcycles. And, you know, like mm-hmm. we were talking before, I mean, whether it's you talking or me talking, dude, we can – I could sit here and jab motorcycles forever just like you. And exactly. it's, a, it's a free-flowing conversation. And, dude, the one thing, though, if you're thinking van life and stealth camping, dude, you better look into one of those diesel heaters.
0: Oh, dude. Like even that <laughs> and just ACs because – I thought my fan would be more than enough, and it wasn't even full summer. It was like fall, and here in Texas, it's still like 85 degrees at night, that I was sweating in, like right when I was going to bed, so I had to turn my van on to get the AC going to drop the temperature so when I went to sleep, it would at least kind of make me comfortable. But then my fan died in the middle of the night because my battery bank, I have yet to get a, an additional battery for it. Versus just Mm. power bank, so I still have so much to learn, and I mean, but it's so much fun. Like, I mean, whether it be the van or motorcycles, that I mean, we've been on the phone for what like an hour and a half now. Oh, probably at least, (laughs) yeah. And it doesn't feel like that, like, that's that's very true, yeah. Like, I mean, we've been shooting the breeze, and that, yeah, dude, I mean, motorcycles, it's just a unifying hobby, passion whatever it is that someone gets into and like, like even then just talking about that, I could go on a whole other tangent of uh, other topics just off of that statement. So it's just like, yeah, dude, I mean, so rad. I, I really oh, yeah. appreciate you taking the time and just chatting with me and i oh, it's such a great
1: conversation. I appreciate you, you know, you know, me sending you the message. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a nobody in social media world. I'm solely, you know, trying to, you know, grow my, the V Twin life channel, my own channel. And yeah, same dude. I, I mean, I'm, I've done like, well, one motorcycle style video that, you know, from the toy run, I've done a few other, I think three other ones. And they're very minute. And I want to try to break into that, but you know, I mean, you're, you're more established than I am. And I greatly appreciate you taking time out to fucking shoot the breeze to me.
0: Yeah. I, Cause pretty much, I guess we can leave on a note for people who are looking to get into motorcycles, whether it be, you know, if you want to become an influencer, that's the big word that everyone kind of throws around. Like I'm an influencer, but it's like, no, dude, you know, you're just someone who's good at what they do, you know, that, you know, you may be pushed to promote a brand and, you know, whether it be for monetary compensation or for exchange for goods, or you just happen to be good at portraying those messages, you know, or just podcasts, whatever the case that just do it, you know, have a passion for how you do it and, you know don't chase subscribers don't chase followers just do it for you for your passion it'll come that
1: just and exactly do something about what you enjoy that's for me it's like dude i've been on motorcycles i'm i'll be 43 in march i've been on motorcycles since i was 5 years old motorcycles are a part of me and it's just something i enjoy and a passion i have so yeah you know when i ventured in dude it's like i want to start a podcast cuz i haven't seen so many you know, motorcycle ones that are kind of in the direction that I want to go. It's like, I didn't do it to, like you're saying, Chase Cloud. It's like, I just did it because it it's something I enjoy. And I want to talk and meet other people that share this passion and enjoy it. And That's where I'm going with it.
0: Yeah. And then the more you get like the exposure that it has you visit, like, okay, how am I going to be able to make this, you know, something full-time if you want to start going that direction, then it's like, okay, cool. Cause when I first started, I would buy a couple things to give away and then I would give them away. And I was like, dude, that's eating a lot out of my pocket. So I started writing a couple emails to companies. It was never asking for free stuff that I get a couple messages every so often. Hey, how do I get free shit? It's like, dude, you're already going about the wrong way. Do not ever say that to a company that, yeah. you know, establish yourself as a brand. Think of yourself as a brand and then message that company. But, you know, like I always say, email them. If you're going to message them, say, hey, what's a good email or who's your marketing department I can talk to? About this opportunity, and then always think about about it as a partnership. Never think about it as sponsorship, because in the end, you're selling yourself to that company. How are they going to benefit from you? Even if you have a small, you know, follower count, that is how you approach it. That say you may only get you know two thousand followers. Say you have YouTube, right? But that the few videos that you put just to those two thousand subscribers may get you know five hundred comments and twenty thousand views. But for some reason, people just don't want to subscribe to you. You know, use those tools and be able to market yourself as well as tell them why you picked that company. So technically, they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. they're not just asking for free shit that they actually vetted us and somehow we fit their idea. And then they're like, hmm, interesting. So it's kind of like who you are, a real quick one that you can dive in later. But it's pretty much who you are, what you're asking for, what or the reason why you're asking for that product and how it fits what you're doing and then kind of what the company gets in return and so forth. And it, it's, that's kind of where it came from. So again, it's like, you know, start doing what you're doing, be passionate about it, take good high quality photos and just have a good genuine message that again, if everyone, everything you get, it's like, just oh, have I love fun. this product. Exactly. Have fun doing it and be honest, you know, but don't be a dick that if something doesn't work, don't bad mouth, whatever it is you know, just be like constructive criticism. And that's taken me a long way that for a while I got some shade that it was like two years ago that I got a full trask kind of like a partnership with them where they sponsored parts for the bike. And it was like almost like the, the air cleaner, the exhaust and something else. And people are like, dude, he only has so many thousand followers. This is when I was like at four or 5,000, but it was how I talked to him because I met Nick at the drag specialties dealer ride in Las Vegas. And he goes, hey, have you heard of us? And most people would probably bullshit their way like, oh, I love your product, bro. Da, da, da. And I just said, honestly, no, I, I, I run a Basani, That's all I know. I haven't heard of Trask. And he goes, fuck. And then he talked talk to whoever his marketing guy was, I think, for his social media. He goes, this is what I'm talking about. The average guy doesn't know who the fuck we are. And uh, he just put me on the spot. He goes, what would you do if I was give you so much product? I go, oh, what do I say, dude? And I said, I would just, you know, do a video and just, this is my Instagram. Check it out, see the photos I do. I love what I do and I love the exhaust. But like you said, I'm a nobody that, will I know the differences between the welds? Probably not, but I will know if it sounds cool, if it sounds bad and how it performs from a new rider perspective. And then next thing I know, like a month or two later, I, I totally was like, oh, I'm never gonna get a call back that um, I got an email saying, hey, dude, we want to follow up. Are you still interested in this? And I was like, holy shit. And then I got everything posted on social media. And some people I heard through other parties are like, dude, why did Connor get all this shit? He's nobody. I have so many followers more than him. I'm actually someone in the industry. But it's like, dude, it's maybe it was just because I'm passionate about what I do and how I market it that, again, I'm still new in motorcycles. I've been doing it for four years and I've kind of wrenched on my bike, but I'm open with, if I don't know something, I say, hey, I don't know how I'm doing it, but this probably isn't the way you want to do it. It works for me. You know, kind of that's how
1: I work my way through my problems. Well, and and that maybe, changed. you know, you were honest and, mm-hmm. you know, the other flip side of the coin, right place at the right time. Exactly. Yeah. That was
0: the other opportunity that, uh, again, after seeing that small insight behind the scenes of the industry, that solidified. I want to find a way to be able to do this full time. And ideally photography would be cool, but even if I was just able to ride and also do photography and all that, but just being able to be behind the scenes was so cool. And I just want to ride motorcycles. I want to be a part of the motorcycle culture, just everything of the industry. I want to, that's what I want. So that's kind of where I started gearing towards. I mean, now my proposals are pretty freaking dope that if I send out a proposal Nine times out of 10, I'll get what I'm asking for. But again, I also don't shoot for the moon that if it's a new company, you know, I'll start small and see how it works. And if they like it, because at the same time, I'm selling myself to them that I want them to be like, this is dope. This is more than what we asked for. And then they're like, you right. know, what? this, 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 this. So sorry, again, I, I always go on tangents, but yeah, dude.
1: Hey, no worries, man.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, motorcycles are awesome. Do what you got to do. Get that motorcycle that's right for you. Uh, If you want to become, you know, whether start a podcast or moto vlogging, do it, just make what works for you and be passionate passionate about it. There you go. Passion. I mean, that comes through because uh, so many people say, dude, I don't know how you don't have any more followers, et cetera. Dude, it'll come, you know, I'm doing me and I'm staying true. Just stay true. Be passionate. Rock on. And right Right now. Yep.
1: Dude. Hey, thank you so much for coming on tonight. My man. Dude, it's been a lot of fun. Guys, you can check him out. Connor FXDB on Instagram. Same thing on YouTube. He's got a ton of videos on YouTube from tutorials, product reviews, road trips. Dude, check him out. Guy's a blast. Connor, thank you. you so much, man.
0: Likewise. Thank you so much. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas because it's December, dude. Love right it.
1: on. Absolutely,
0: bro. There, bud.
1: Hey, thank you, guys. Hey, you all guys have fun. Ride safe. Enjoy those miles and smiles.